and welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Joe Stanley, I am beside myself to be able to interview you for She's the Boss Chats. Thank you so much for agreeing to do it. Well, thank you for having me because I, you know, you're. We, this is the first time we've spoken in person. <laughs> but of I course, can't believe that. Actually, I feel like I've known you for years. Well, it's true because you know you're in the orbits of each other, right? <laughs> and the, she's the boss. Yeah, the true. podcast's amazing. What you do is incredible. You know, we kind of have mutual women in our each other's lives, and you know, I've listened to it. It's great to be a part of what you're doing here. Thank you. Oh, thank you. So let's start off by telling everyone all the amazing things that you're doing. Um, the first one, obviously, being broad radio. So tell people about that, and then about some of the other stuff you're doing as well. Well, yes, I am creating radio, uh, Australia's first radio network for women Woo-hoo. by women. It's called Broad Radio, yes. Brilliant. Uh, and, yes, so I found myself a as a startup founder, which was not certainly something 10 years ago I went, mm, I'm going to do that <laughs> in my 50s. Right. But, yeah, I, I'm creating a radio network and, and we're about, I'm going to say to be safe, about four months away from releasing an app in which you'll be able to listen to live radio and podcasts and there'll be a bunch of other content in between. Um, yeah, just as a, it, it'll be just like any other radio you listen to except that it's um, yeah, through a female lens. Mm. So, uh, so, my, is, um, and we'll talk about some of the other stuff you do in a minute. But what's mm. the why behind? Why have you started Broad Radio? <laughs> I think I'm going to know the answer, but tell me anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, uh, I, I would say you would be surprised to hear this, but perhaps you wouldn't be surprised, Jules. But a lot of people are surprised to learn that the radio that we hear in this country, and specifically commercial radio, which mm-hmm. is the world I've come from, I did breakfast radio for 15 years, um, but in that world, only of the voices you hear, only 27% are female. And <laughs> even less if you are a woman over 40 or I was if you say. are. <laughs> I mean, basically, if you if you turn 40 in, in radio, you kind of fall off a cliff. Um, and women who are LGBTQI, women with disabilities, women of colour, Aboriginal women, you know, that just don't, don't exist. Don't look in at all. Um, not at all. So... Um, I guess my why is that I'm just really cross about that. Mm-hmm. Like it's just fucked, right? Yeah, totally. And, <laughs> and down the line, obviously that skews so much. Like the, the voices that you hear get to choose and, and the people behind the scenes who are mostly men as well, mm-hmm. they get to choose what's spoken about and in what and That's in right. what way. So that skews not only the stories that we hear, the opinions, the information, but it actually misrepresents society and we miss out on so much yeah. richness. And I just, uh, you know, down the line, I mean, that has serious implications as far as whether girls choose to go into politics or science or finance because you never hear women talking in that way. Or in even around when we're talking about trying to stop this horrific violence against women, gendered violence, you know, pan, epidemic, pandemic, whatever you want to call it, yep. in this country um, or around the world, in fact, um, that the fact that women don't have equal voice in the media really has a part to play in that. And I was just like, well, 
I just need to do something that changes that. Well, thank God for you, Joe. Thank <laughs> God for you. Do you know one of the there were two things that I learned really early on when I started my show on Ticker TV. One was that the Gina Davis Institute of Media mm. Diversity, and I Amazing. love that woman, uh, came mm. out with some stats that said that women over fifty appear in only four percent of media globally. <laughs> yeah, and I thought, yep, yeah, and we are invisible, and we're not going to put up with mm. that any longer. Um, mm. And the other thing was that there was some research. That that came out around media diversity in Australia. I think it said Who's Telling Australian Stories yes. was the name of the – you probably yep. saw it. And 100% yep. of the program directors for the news are white Anglo-Saxon men over 50. Not like 80 or 60 or anything. It was 100%. And I just went, that is insane as well. So it's our yeah. job really to, to start highlighting these women and making them more visible. And it's, it's really frustrating, right, because um, – you feel like you can't change that. You know, you feel really powerless when you know, well, I see the networks and I see the big players in the media and, and it's not changing and they are so impenetrable to new talent. Yeah. And how can we actually shift that, right? But the exciting thing is, firstly, the democratisation of content mm -hmm. in exactly what you're doing here. Yeah. If you can find an audience any old person can create content and can be very powerful in that. And, in fact, it's happening so much now that the big players are losing a lot of their power, which is super, super exciting. It right? is super exciting. Um, but for myself, well, it's, it's great. Yeah. Um, and for myself, I I guess I, it came to me, I, mean, you know, I wanted it to exist. I wanted there to be a radio yeah. network. I, I, I describe it to people who kind of struggle with the idea of what will it sound like. I say, <laughs> well, it's Triple M but for chicks. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because there's a triple M for guys, there's an SEN for guys, there's an AW for guys, there's all of that. But there's no version of that for females. No. Um, and people who identify as females. And I kind of went, Oh, well, that needs to happen. I really want it to happen. And I spoke to the big guys for a long time. And they could see that there's definitely a I mean, there's a huge business case for it because hello, who controls the spending in every household? Exactly. So it's actually a really valuable opportunity for brands to align with an audience, right? Yeah. So there's a huge business case to it and they could see that, but they didn't want to invest in it. They didn't want to make it happen. So frustrating. So, so frustrating. And so in the end I was like, well, I want this to happen and I've spent my entire career doing my best to be an ally and to use my microphone as something worthwhile that tells women's stories in many different ways and the diversity of women's stories. And in the end, I just went, well, what I need to do is turn that one microphone into hundreds of microphones because I shouldn't be speaking on behalf of other people. Um, and so then I went, oh, fuck it, I'll just do it myself. <laughs> Look, as you say that, I saw a fantastic post on LinkedIn by a woman who I adore, who I'm actually going to be interviewing in a couple of weeks called Erin Gallagher, who is absolutely up there saying this this has to change. And and just to go to your point about why are they not building these programs and, and doing this programming for women, she says, don't talk about women as a niche market, in inverted commas, mm. as 51% of the population, half the labour force and 85% of consumer buyers power. We are yeah. the damn market. hundred <laughs> percent. And you know, that, that word niche. So um, annoying. When I st <laughs> it's so frustrating I and it's used all the time. Yes, and yes. the first time I had a good laugh about it, sort of 
part laughter, part rage, was part with tears. George McEncrow. <laughs> part tears. Yes, um, George. George McEncrow, founder of Sheba, yeah. because when she was – you know, out there seeking investment, she heard this term niche all, all the, time. the time. And it's like, what? I know. I don't, I don't think it's niche to be 51% of the population. And 85% and of the buying power, for God's sake. Exactly right. Mm. And, you know, research around the world time and again, time and again shows that women repeatedly feel overlooked by marketers mm-hmm. and brands. And when they feel understood, that's where they put their money. It's just a no-brainer. Yeah, it's just complete common sense. Um, mm. Now, okay, so what you're doing broad radio, which I love. You did um, mention that you're doing other things. So let's just tell everybody the full gamut of what you're doing. And I used to think I was bad, but you're pretty bad too um, in terms of spreading. What does bad mean? Well, bad means oh. kind, kind of good. <laughs> It's kind of spreading yourself over quite a lot of things. So just in case we've got women in here who are interested in working with you in different ways, just tell all the people, tell everybody all the different things you do. Well, I mean, I've been in the media for 20, well, I've been in the media for 20 years Mm -hmm. uh, in radio. Um, I started out as a stand-up comedian, actually, so I still do a bit of performance here and there. Okay. Um, but, yes, I'm still – I host a TV show and a radio show, both of which are called The House of Wellness. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can catch the TV show on Channel 7. Targeting women. On. <laughs> uh, yeah, House of Wellness, yeah, so that's got to have an overwhelmingly female audience, doesn't it? No? I, I would suggest, yeah, yes. Yeah, I would. I would suggest. I mean, we do plenty of men's health stuff and certainly on the radio show we get plenty of men listening. Yeah, um, I'm sure. And so that's my media side of things. I write a column for the Sunday Life magazine. I have a kids' book series which I'm aiming to have a re-release of this year. I do emceeing and keynote speaking sort of around gender equality and and, and uh, purpose and mental health. Mindfulness and meditation is one of my – it's my jam. It's what right. I do every day. It's my daily practice. Great. Um, so I sort of talk a lot about that kind of stuff. And, um, yes, I'm also, yeah, organisational coach, so coaching and facilitating workshops around personal brand or presentation purpose, right. that kind of thing. Yeah. So, so generally all around pretty amazing and uh, fingers in lots and lots of pies, I would say. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, lots of pies. Um, I mean, you know, I'm pretty busy. I, I also have a couple of charities that I am very proud to work with. And oh, which honestly, ones do they tell us so that we can? I must tell you because they're them. awesome. Yeah. So Lighthouse Foundation, which yeah. is an organisation that um, creates beautiful homes for young people facing homelessness. Um, Wellsprings for Women, which is an amazing community organisation in sort of the city of Casey area in Melbourne. Oh, down um, to which is for yeah, which is for um, or Dandenong really. Yeah, um, which is for uh, migrant and and asylum seeking women. And then the third one I've just um, connected with as an ambassador for them. They're called Left Right Hook, Ooh. which is writers in W R I T E, oh. and it's a writing and boxing program for adult survivors of childhood sexual abuse, and it's just. The most beautiful wow. organization. I love it. So yeah, I am. I do have quite a, <laughs> a, a full dance card. You do. So yes. my next question to you is an entrepreneurial one. 
which is I know that you've given us in general terms why you have started Broad Radio, but was there a light bulb moment? Was there something that tipped you over that ju- where you just went, you know what, I'm just going to start this because it just needs to happen? Was there something, because it sounds like you were, you were sort of thinking about it for a while, but what tipped you yeah, over to actually I start was, it? I was. I was. It, it sat with me for quite a few years. Yeah. In fact, it kind of pains me to go back and see how long ago I first started researching internet radio and licensing. And but you know what, Joe? Lots of people do the research and don't actually start the business. And you know the whole thing about being an entrepreneur is that there are gazillions of people out there with ideas, but as an entrepreneur you actually make it happen and you have. But what was it that tipped you? Well, um, Honestly, I think it was COVID. I think that, uh, and and to be honest, I look back at when I was started researching it and it came about because I I was doing breakfast radio in Melbourne and I got unceremoniously sacked, which happens in radio. Charming. And uh, (laughs) then I found myself in Berlin. As you do. uh, Yeah. (laughs) And um, I was surrounded by people saying, oh, you should just make your own radio station. And I was like, you people are mental. Like, that's (laughs) nuts. That is never going to happen. Who, how can you make your own radio station? And hang on, were those it, Australian people or Germans no, saying no, that No, no, they were you? German. They right. were German. Because people. there's a big culture of it over there or just you were talking around you a whole know, lot of young I people who have no boundaries? <laughs> no, it's, it's Berlin. Yeah, right. It's so creative. It's like a world of just endless possibility there. It's a really oh, beautiful kind of just. My son is I going was, there in two with, weeks. So, oh, well, uh, I am happy for him. Is yeah. he creative? He is very creative. In fact, he produces my podcast on my YouTube channel, even though he's 18. Been doing it for, or started it oh, when he was 18, him. when he got locked down after finishing school, as you do. Yeah, well, that's, that's well, Another yeah, impetus, hence, yeah. let me, I'll get back to that. So, <laughs> but I was in Berlin and I was with artists and marketing types and people who just have big ideas and then make it happen. Anyway, I came back and I meditated and every time I meditated, it, this image came up of, of these women, like, like I felt like I just held women's need to be heard in my hands. So it sort of just stewed and stewed and stewed and then lockdown happened and I realised firstly that the big guys were not going to be making it. Like I spoke to them and they loved it and then nah, I just realised it wasn't going to happen. Way too risk averse, those guys. <laughs> Way too risk averse and they just have different priorities. Yeah, yeah, That's they don't fine. see it at all. Yep. No. There's no, as again, George McEnroe, she says, um, if there's no imperative, like they don't see the need. Because it's just not their experience to never hear themselves on radio. No, right? that's because right. Because yep. all they ever hear is themselves. That's right. So uh, lockdown happened and I realised as I saw everyone, the whole world joining each other remotely and the technology suddenly became really clear to me. And I think if I'd done it when I first thought of it, uh, the technology wasn't ready then. Yeah, yeah. In in my mind, it wasn't like, you know, I don't think the culture around the world was ready for people. People weren't ready to forgive dodgy connections and all things falling out. And, oh, you know, it doesn't matter if there's no picture or the picture's a bit shady or whatever. I think now people just, all they care about is content. Yeah. So that kind of made me go, all right, I reckon I can do this myself. Again, I'm sure you hear this all the time from entrepreneurs. If I'd known, <laughs> if I had any idea, 
media how massive it was, maybe I wouldn't have done it. I know, I know. But then do you hear that you, all the time? I do, but you don't know until you give it a go. And mm-hmm. I'm so glad you have. And you're absolutely right that at that, I mean, it was that was really when I started. She's the boss as well. And I brought because I had seen ticker TV start as an internet TV network, I suddenly went, mm. oh, my God, everything is possible. Like the barrier to entry is now so low that we can all get started. So it's only really then how you want to present it and who you can get in touch with to have as your guests really. <laughs> and, of course, that yeah, was never I going mean- to be an issue for you. No, I feel very blessed. Like, And, and again, that's for me a part of the journey, as they say, and the – epiphany slash aha moment was I've always felt like and from the very moment the very first day my microphone was switched on on commercial radio like I I was doing stand-up comedy with my then comedy partner Jodie J Hill and we got we you know we just I mean as close to being discovered as you can say we just found ourselves on radio and and that day when the mic was switched on I remember thinking well this is such a gift Nobody has a voice in this world and I have a voice. I need to use this microphone in a really valuable way. Like it, you know, it has to have um, impact, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I knew, I've always known that, but it it was just understanding as I started to think about broad radio and how it might evolve and as an aside, let me say, when you say the only barrier, like the barrier to entry is so low, doesn't mean it's easy. No, no, uh, no, no like, not at all. Yeah, I don't like, want to take so away you, from that. No, I'm not. And I'm <laughs> saying that because what you do isn't easy. Like it's a lot of work. She's the boss is a lot of work. Oh, People yeah. might not even understand, <laughs> you know, like so low barrier to entry, however, very, very hard. But I realised as I was thinking about it, I'm like, again, the privilege that I have because I had that job and I still now sometimes try to make sense of why was I gifted that opportunity, the universe, and I am very, very, I have a deep spiritual side, it was gifted to me for a reason. And that privilege, I have to use it. And the privilege extends beyond, you know, being a white cisgendered woman, It, it extends to the fact that because I had that job, I can cold, cold email someone and I would say nine and a half times out of ten, they're I'll like, "Yeah, yes. great, let's have a yep. meeting. Yeah, let's do, you know, let me have whatever." Like it's that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I have networks, and I have people I can just call up and say, "Hey, remember we did that thing together? I need a bit of help with this." All of that privilege. I'm like, I have to use that for other people for, for a broader <laughs> yeah, purpose. Beautiful. Beautiful, but it's interesting that even with all that influence and privilege, that you can't. That the guys up at the, you know, making those big decisions who hold the purse strings still aren't prepared to take a risk. I mean, I, I'm just interested because obviously my interest was is a lot in television as well, which I've just kind of fallen into. But many years ago, I was pitching shows about women, particularly entrepreneurial women. Um, to I remember pitching it to James Fennessy, who was starting Shine Australia the next mm-hmm. day, and he loved this idea that I'd called the Mumpreneur Challenge, which was going to be um, a whole lot of women um, – in Australia competing against each other for a prize, something to do with their business, and then someone in America and someone in England, and ultimately then when the winners of each of those countries are done, that they would all compete against each other to become a world champion. He loved it. It went 
And I remember him coming and seeing me in Melbourne and going, I've ditched almost all the other programs, but I love this one. We're going to go with it. And then pushing me down the line to the producers who ended up being 25-year-old guys who just looked at me and said, I don't even get this. Like, what's the payoff? Why would women, why would anyone want to watch this? In The Biggest Loser, they lose weight. In MasterChef, they, you know, they become the best cook. Why would anyone want to win a women's, um, you know, challenge for business? It just doesn't make sense. Women are not interested in listening to business um, or watching business on television. And I just remember thinking, you are so fucking wrong. Um, and then I got it again with Ticker TV. So, you know, what you feel about radio, I feel very strongly about TV as well. It just shits me that there's nothing out there and it's and there's no one to talk to about it to make the change happen. But, and I think, it, you know, your TV, um, radio, it exists in almost every industry, yeah, right, yeah. where women are banging their heads against Absolutely. the wall going, how do I make you see? How do I make you understand, again, that we're not niche, that we actually, you know, are very powerful as a market and really keen, really passionate. You know, we want to be involved in, and it doesn't matter whether it's construction. Like I do a lot of work, a lot of sort of corporate work in the um, uh, women in construction and women in trades world industries. And I meet endless women who are so passionate about being an engineer or being, you know, a builder or whatever it is they're doing, architects, whatever. Incredible women, um, and there's you know there's so few of them compared to the rest of the industry, and it breaks my heart because the power that they bring. I mean, they, they uh, it's they're punching way above their weight as yeah. far as their impact, um, but they you know you can only do so much when there's so few of you. You can be as vocal and as passionate as you like, but you just need numbers as well. And well, it's that's really right. hard. And I guess what I think that the pandemic has done and what I'm seeing globally and in Australia is, you know what, we can't get into your sandpit. You don't want to let us play with you, so we're going to just start our own. And that's where Broad Radio and She's the Boss and all those other things are just so inspiring, I think, and we'll see more and more of them where we go, we mm. don't fit into your system, so we're just going to have to start our own because we can't keep beating our heads against a brick wall and having you go, oh, we don't get it, no one would want to see it or no one will yeah. want to listen. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of frustrating because there's a lot of talk around, you know, um, addressing structures and systems within organisations. Mm. You know, it's in this this lean out movement now, which I absolutely support. Like, you know, you have to shift the structure within an organisation. And it's frustrating that instead of doing that within the big organisation, we're going, all right, well, I'm going to take my bat and ball and go and play over here now. That's right. Um, but... Because I think about the women who are still in those large organisations and I'm like, who is actually helping them? Um, But hopefully, well, my theory is that if I, you know, my plan is that I build broad radio to be large enough that women who work, and, we, you know, we have men involved as well. It's not an entirely female space. Um, It's just we're inversing we're inversing the, the yeah. imbalance, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, But my plan is that as we grow and then women come and work for us and we mentor women, we train women and then they grow and they are amazing and then they go off and they join those bigger or, or That's maybe right. not bigger, equal, um, but they join those other organisations and then hopefully 
the numbers then start redressing and there's a bit more balance because of organisations like Broad Radio. That's right. And and you can be absolutely sure that the guys are watching what we're doing because if the risk <laughs> is taken... Yeah, yeah, because if the risk is taken away and we are successful, then they'll jump on it in a heartbeat. But there's just no appetite for it at the moment, I don't think. They just don't... They don't yes. see that the market's there and so we need to show them that it, that it is and then decide well, whether know, we want to let them in. <laughs> Well, also, I'm reminded of, um, you know, what happens so often, and I know this because I've always, you know, volunteered forever at my daughter's school and, you know, I've done podcasts with men and I've done creative projects where you write and, you know, put on uh, comedy shows or whatever, and almost every time, and it's a massive generalisation, but I reckon, Jules, you'll agree with me, (laughs) so often the men let the women go and do all the work and then they go, they come the along credit. and they go, yeah, this was fantastic. Well, maybe not necessarily take the credit, but they're not jumping in and going, well, let me share the load. No. Because women are doers, right? Yeah, we are. <laughs> and and so, I guess my and my And, and that yeah. suits the men. Yeah. And the other thing though that I'm very passionate about is helping women see the benefits of backing each other. That, you know, if Mm. women have each other's backs, then they will be more successful. But also there are some stats that say that if women support women, they go much more successful, whereas guys, it doesn't matter what their support network is, whether it's male or female, as long as they've got a support network, they will succeed. But for women, it is very much skewed towards if you've got women supporting you, you will go further. And that sort of makes sense to me. So mm. it's going to be very interesting well, I mean, over the next few years. I, to me, it feels like when when I'm I think about the women who support me and the women I support, it's out of such compassion and love and belief yep. in each other. Um, like it's just that sisterhood, which enriches me in a way that, yeah, I have some beautiful male friends and, you know, oh, I yes, love men. yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, I so do men. I. But I, um, it's just a different feeling. It's just not the same kind of uplifting, um, no. you know, and that's that what's network missing. that feels and like that's you, what's can't, missing. you can't fall. No, and that's what's missing in leadership, I think, just that fe- the fact that feminine skills are not at the moment valued as much as male skills um, in terms of the nurturing, in terms of the empathy and everything. Um, I hope to see that change over the next while, you know. If a guy wants mm. to cry or a guy is um, gentle or kind or whatever to someone else, that shouldn't be seen as a bad thing. Uh, and mm. I don't think it is in all organisations, but I definitely think there's room for improvement. But anyway, oh, Joe, yes. I want to talk to you about how you've got to where you are today. <laughs> You're going to love this. Mm. I, I want to go right the way back to when you were a girl um, and mm. for you to tell me what kind of a family did you grow up in and um, what did your parents do and what did you think of school? Mm, a lot of questions there. <laughs> That's only the start. <laughs> I'm super nosy. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, um, my I grew up in a single mother family. Okay. Um, my father died when I was four. So it was my mum and my older sister and my younger sister. And Ooh, the girls. I didn't really, yeah, and I didn't really have any um, much of a male influence in my life at all. My grandfather was around. He was quite tyrannical um, 
minister, Anglican minister. So really, and so there was, apart from my immediate family, there was my grandma and my nana were the other influences. So very, very female-oriented yeah. and very inspired. by. My mum was incredibly strong and she introduced me to literature. She was an English teacher. Oh, so fantastic. she introduced me to the love of words and um, also she was a feminist and an activist. I say was. She's still with us. So she's still oh, a feminist fantastic. and an activist. What a great <laughs> mum to have. <laughs> um, yeah, so she basically trained me to believe, A, words and ideas can change the world and, in fact, they're the only things that do. Yeah. And that... Um, you know, innately feminist and equality is and not just equality for all, but you know, it's about lifting other people up as you go through yes, life. Yes. Um, because until everyone is equal, then there is no equality. And I love um, your mum This already. notion of activism. You know, yeah. my mum, the activism is she, she would, I remember her going to Tasmania to protest the Franklin Dam. Oh, yeah. I yep. remember her, I remember her protesting with the teachers, you know, because she was an English teacher. So she was always, if there was a teacher strike, she was there, you know. And oh, good um, on her. yeah, she was, she was very um, active and still is now. I tell you what, the woman writes a letter to anyone. <laughs> she's very she, she's you know she'll save no she sa- she will save a park from becoming a car park she will she will oh, do what all a of great that. Mom, what a fantastic role model for you though as well um you and your yes. sisters growing up to see this the strength in your mum so did you enjoy school did you go yeah. all the way through uh yes I um I I loved school loved it um, had uh, a pretty good time of it. Like I was lucky not to experience any kind of, um, you know, there was no bullying or anything. I had a beautiful friendship group who I still see regularly now. In fact, we've just had our 50th year. So <laughs> it's been the most That's glorious not time. Bad. <laughs> yeah. So we've had like, because there's eight of us in the group. And so I was the first to get my 50th. And then my the last one is next weekend, the baby of the group. So we've just had like the last eight months of 50th back to back. It's been amazing. Oh, fantastic. Um, I and love yeah, it that again, you're all this, still this, friends. That that's great. Isn't I'm, that I'm, amazing? Yeah, I've got the same with my school friends, and and I was always the youngest and the tallest. <laughs> so <laughs> even though even though I'm old to a lot of other people, I'm still in my group. I'm still the baby, which I love. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Yeah, that is nice. Um, so then, okay. yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, you know, went to uni and studied drama and theatre studies, and that kind of launched me on this love of performing and um, comedy. Right. And, so when that you got left, me in radio. Okay. So tell me how that process works. I'm sure there'll be other girls or women listening to this who'd be either interested to know from your point of view or maybe from their own point of view how they could do it. How did you – so you left school, uh, left uni. What did you – or left school. What did you do after school? Yeah, so I went to university and studied drama and theatre oh, yeah, studies. Sorry, sorry. And, um, yeah, and then, that's and, where I, I kind of – yeah, so Go what on. was the job after that? Sorry. So you left uni. Most people are out going, I don't even know what I'm going to do, but I'll go and grab the first job. What What do you do when you finish in drama and, drama and dance? Did you join a theatre production company or? Well, well, during university we formed a myself and three other people from this is Monash University, um, yeah. which had a very, very active um, student theatre 
scene yeah. um, at that time. And so myself and three other people who were there um, formed a comedy group. And so I was doing that when I was at university, started that when I was 20 maybe, something like that. Right. Yeah, I think about 20. Um, maybe younger. Ugh. What's time? I don't know. Anyway. Um, yeah, it might have so been younger. It might have been 18. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe second year uni, so I was maybe 19. But anyway, I, um, yeah, so we continued on with that group and that just, you know, evolved and evolved and eventually I went out on my own and was doing stand-up comedy and I was doing that with Jodie J. Hill as well. So um, was that a bit And I did no. have a day job. <laughs> Oh, like I was, did you? I was oh. doing, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So once I finished uni, my day job was to be a um, venue manager and a theatre manager, student theatre manager, producer for, so firstly at RMIT University and then um, at Monash University, I was the venue manager for the Robert Back Michael okay. Hall and the um, Alexander Theatre there. And, and, and then you were brave enough to also be doing stand-up. Eventually had to choose stand-up. between that and radio. Okay. Um, so, so tell me, how, how uh, yes. did that choice come back? Like, how did you even get into radio from doing stand-up? How did that, how did that happen? Well, I was doing a show with Jodie and um, this was sort of back in the day. So we're talking the year maybe 1999. <laughs> BC. <laughs> I know, I was going to say the year 2000, but I think it was 99 or I don't know, 98, something like that. And um, that was back then the content directors would find up-and-coming talent and nurture them and make them, you know, an entity of their own rather than going to the latest reality TV star or influencer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it was yes. a different time. Yeah. So uh, the content director came and saw Jodie and I do a comedy festival show and um, offered us a development show, which was like a Sunday night, 10 p.m. to midnight sort of show. And we did that for a year or two and then um, ended up doing Monday to Friday, t- 9 a.m. to midday, um, so that morning slot right. on Fox FM and at in that Melbourne. Stage, yeah. and- at that stage, were you kind of pinching yourselves and going, we can't believe that we get paid to sit and chat to each other for three hours a day? Or were you going, oh, my, oh God, my God, yes. this is really, really hard work and we need to do, you know, we need to really, <clears throat> I don't know, develop skills or hang on to it or whatever? Um, well, a bit of both. I mean, definitely pinching yourself. Like what, uh, I, but this is, it was so unbelievable to me that that had yeah. happened. Yeah. Like I can how, imagine. how, like, and I certainly am uh, not someone who at that time and still now to a degree, although I've had a chat with myself and I'm getting better, <laughs> but I, I am not someone who readily sees my own skills and talents. Right. So I was like, what the fuck? Like, you know, impo- <laughs> imposter syndrome to the extreme. So hilariously I've been t- decluttering and I found um, like a bunch of cards from when I left Fox FM and every single person mentioned my work ethic, like right. the greatest work ethic they'd ever seen, right? Oh, wow. And so yep. I am someone who goes, this is something really overwhelming. I've never done it before. How do I respond? Well, I just work my best 
butt off and I learn and learn and learn and you become a sponge and you listen when people tell you, you know, their advice and you learn what's good advice and what's bad advice. You um, attach yourself to people who you really are inspired by. You read books. You write like I wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote and um, you just hone your skills and it was it was a huge amount of work. You know, you don't naturally be, you, you don't start radio knowing how to do radio. No. People think it is just sitting and talking, but it's just not. There's so right? much more to it than that. Yeah. And, and so um, so you did this show with Jodie, so you'd gone from, you know, a late night show, so you are being nurtured along the way. At what stage yeah. um, did you start branching out into other things as well as radio? Um, well, I mean, I guess you sort of collect things along the way, you know, as you yep. build a profile. Because in, you know, the entertainment industry, obviously, people want to know who you are. Um, yeah. So you kind of just gather things along the way. So sort of as I went along, I did some TV and that grew into ended up hosting things and being guests and hosting. And then as I went along, uh, along, you know, you kind of, all right, yes, I want to start doing, um, some writing. So I ended up being commissioned to write the kids books. Oh, okay. Um, right. Great. Before that I was, I've been doing the column for 13 years now. So, um, again, Blimey. that just sort of came from being on radio and people going, oh, you have an interesting voice. What would it be like if you were write a column and then you write one and they go, yeah, we like yeah, that. Like you that. can do another. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah, and you sort of just kind of collect it. So I wouldn't say there was at this stage I did this, this and this. Right. Um, it, it just sort of evolves. I've read it's called a port. Yeah, it's apparently it's called a portfolio career. <laughs> it is, but I Which know. Which sounds very wanky, but. If, if there's one thing I know after from the last 15 years of teaching people PR as well as she's the boss is the power of building your profile and that is very top of mind for a lot of women at the moment. And I keep saying to them, you know, because people, a lot of women find themselves very uncomfortable pushing themselves out there. But I think if you have your eye on the fact that you're a role model and and the fact that you are leading the way and you can lift up other women along the way with you, I think it makes it much more acceptable for people to understand the value. And I think that you've just said it perfectly. You know, as your profile raises, things will start to happen. Opportunities will be offered to you and you go with them. And, you know, mm. before you know it, you have this portfolio career. Well, yes, I think... What, and I, this is one of the things that I teach in my uh, workshops and I'll speak about in my keynotes with, when yeah. you're talking about both personal brand and purpose. Mm -hmm. um, you have to do the work at the start yeah. to know what your values are and what actually your why is. Or otherwise, in the end, it, things can snowball and you end up kind of having perhaps a profile that doesn't suit you or it doesn't feel authentic to you. And yeah. you can accidentally end up doing work that isn't right for you. And certainly right at the beginning when I started, you know, with Jody, and then I did two years with Jody on that sort of Monday to Friday, 9am till midday. And then I found myself doing breakfast radio. And that is like high intense, Hardcore. very, very pressured, yeah. very pressured environment. Um, and it was really, really hard because I hadn't done the work. I hadn't ever sat down and gone, 
who actually am I? Why am I doing this? Right. What are my values? What will I not compromise on? And what ha- because when you have that, then you have a blueprint for all of your other decisions. Yes. And yes. when I finally did the work, oh my God, everything kind of fell into place. But until then, I was just crippled by anxiety because I felt like I was just trying to hold on to this runaway train and, and the tunnel's coming straight for me and I was going to get knocked straight off, right? Yeah, so, nice. Yep, um, yep. Yeah, it, it's it's really critical that you do the work because otherwise people will decide for you who you are. Yeah, that's actually really, really great advice to to understand. And and I mean, I remember many years ago, um, I think it might have been Wayne Dyer or somebody, one of those sort of gurus. But he said it, the the idea was anyway. Imagine your life. Imagine you're at the end of your life and you're sitting in a rocking chair and you're looking back at what you've done, and work out um, where you. So where. I'm not saying this very well. Basically, it was like get to the top of the mountain, look down, see how you got there, and that will help you make those decisions um, for the rest of your life while you're trying to get back up to the mountain, if you know what I mean. I don't think I said mm. that very well. Are you mean? Are you <laughs> suggesting uh, – you mean like um, if you've got a goal, it's about starting imagining that you've achieved it and then working backwards as to how to achieve it? Yes. Well, it's kind of, it's around what you were saying about knowing what's wrong for you and being able to say, no, that's actually not part of my path. So, you know, I don't want to go and MC cricket shows because that's not what I'm trying Mm. to do. I'm trying to help women. But if a woman's group asks me, you know, I know to do it. So it's kind of understanding. Yeah. Yeah. You said it much better than me. (laughs) Well, no, but you're right. No, but you're talking about also choices around like pragmatically how you're going to get to that goal that you have, yeah, right? Yeah, true, true. Um, Which is really critical too. Uh, and and it comes with a sense of fearlessness around being willing to say no to some big gigs sometimes. Yeah, yeah, and knowing that they're not right for you. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Now, um, my next thing that I would love to know, and I'm sure that there are going to be a few, but one of the things with She's the Boss is about making women more visible because I just don't feel like enough women are known out there for the incredible things they're doing. So I like to ask all my guests if there are any women that stand out that have really helped you in your career that you'd be up for you know, telling us a little bit about them and what they've done. Are there, is there anyone that really stands out, women, that have helped you along the way? Do you mean? Do you mean um, sort of mentors mean and my, bosses? Right. So, in my career generally, or yes, with yes, board radio. Yeah. No, no. In your career generally, I mean, it can be. Some people say, "When I was seventeen, I had an amazing boss. When I worked in a milk bar, mm. it doesn't matter who it is. Mm. Just have there been women? Because there's a shitload of women out there that don't help other people, and there have been two or three women I've interviewed out of two hundred who've said, "I cannot think of any women that have ever helped me," which always breaks my heart a little bit. But mm. um, and you've been in a very male-dominated industries. It's true. I mm. have. <laughs> And I'm not saying there aren't fantastic guys out there, by the way, and it doesn't matter if there isn't one, but I just like to ask. No, um, I I guess I, let me think. Um, So I had a boss, it was, so she was the last boss I had before I went into radio. Okay. Um, Jan Clancy. She was the director of performing arts at Monash University. And Jan was incredibly, um, she had exactly that kind of compassionate, gentle leadership 
that was so so warm mm. but she was incredibly tough like she was an incredible leader and she you know really held people accountable she was never it's not like she was a pushover it was that that Jacinda Ardern kind of yes. that she said about <laughs> you know that you can be compassionate yeah. and you can be strong and that's Jan was that and I was pretty green to the whole um industry and she really empowered me gave me incredible autonomy and let me kind of fly oh she sounds um, great Yes, she's amazing and incredibly creative and, uh, you know, there's a lot of theatre, like sort of, you know, so this is the, the performing arts side of me. Um, there was there, there is a lot of theatre that has happened in Australia back in the, you know, day and like um, up until sort of, well, from the 80s onwards, I would say, yeah. uh, that because of Jan Clancy. Yeah. Oh, that's she's fantastic. So, um yeah, so I would definitely say Jan comes to mind. And then in the media, uh, you know, I've been really fortunate to be surrounded by um, brilliant producers and often they're much younger than you, these yeah. women. Young well, that's, women what, that's one of the things so that I – Yeah, you think you've, I think outside of the media people feel like to have a name like producer you've got to be 60. And I remember – and I always used to say to people that when you go on morning television, like morning daytime television, the producers are often – it's their first job, you know, like they're yes. 20 or 18 or 21. Yes. So is that the same yeah. in radio? Um, well, the, the executive producers aren't no young, but – you know, I'm surrounded but you know, you have lots of women who come in who are younger and they just inspire you in the fact that they're just so incredibly passionate and yeah. creative. But thinking about media, I would say the first woman producer I had when I started in Breakfast Radio, um, yeah. so this was the Matt, the Matt and Joe show, Um Matt Tilly and yeah. Joe being myself. <laughs> um, and, um, so the producer was Mel Murphy's who, um, oh, it's Mel Murphy Davies now. Uh, and she's been, she, she currently is the producer on a 3 PM pickup on, right. um, uh, kiss. Uh, she was incredibly kind to me as far as I was again, really green and she'd been producing, she'd, She'd produced the show before me on Breakfast, right. Tracy and Matt, and she was incredibly um, willing to, uh, how shall I say, guide me in what was good radio and what wasn't, but in a really kind way. Um, oh, what a lovely And woman. really just believed in me when I didn't really know what I was doing much. Um, so, yeah, she's a huge champion for women. Mel, she's oh, that's beautiful great and to hear. That's because the key, do- isn't it? Just to be a champion for women. Yes, absolutely. Well, that's I think what you're doing, and hopefully I'm doing a bit as well. You know, we're just out there doing everything we can to um, lift up the women and to sort of close this bloody mm. inequality gap that that is out there. Uh, okay. Well, yeah. We're, we're, I mean, it's nice yeah. to be able to name names. By the way, it's not often you get invited to name names, so that's lovely. Well, if there's anyone else you want to mention before I move on, um, or you can, uh, you know, I could talk forever, but no. <laughs> All right, <They're, laughs> they both sound amazing, and you're right. It is nice to be able to name the names because I just think otherwise they don't get, you know, name checked out there. Um, okay, yeah. now here's a good question for you around work-life balance, which is very um, 
trendy and everyone talks about it at the moment, but out of the 200 women or so that I've interviewed for She's the Boss Chats, I would say a good proportion of them, maybe 40% have had burnout at some stage because they've just pushed themselves and pushed themselves. So one of the things I like to ask is how do you do that juggle? Do you say weekends and, you know, after a certain time at day are sacrosanct, they're about family, or because you love what you do, is it all muddled together? Like how are you um, living your life so that you don't burn out? Well, if I was totally <laughs> honest, I don't think I am. Right. And I, I it does I worry me. <laughs> you know, and does it worry you? Like I kind of think to myself this is not sustainable for another 10 years, probably maybe not even two years could I work at this level. Um, we at, at Broad Radio, we're going into a um, – a capital funds raised this year. Right. And uh, I guess I, you know, I, my ho- my expectation once we're actually running the business as not a bootstrapped uh, startup that it currently is, yeah. but, you know, a properly invested business, uh, then I'm hoping that I'll get a bit more balance, I suppose, because I'll have a bigger team. But, um Probably the way I manage it is that I work 24-7. However, <laughs> oh I God, also <laughs> will, like, you know, I work every day, but yeah. I'll probably, you know, a lot of days I'll not start till 10 a.m. because I've gone to Pilates that morning or I'll, you know, take the afternoon off because I've got to take my daughter to something or, you know, so it's kind of right. like. Okay, um, but you're still, I just, you're still I just, working pretty hard. You're not kind of going, well, Saturdays are for the kids or Sundays are for the kids. Oh, never. No. 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 Well, that's, I mean, no. I, I look but, what I do. I think here's a really good example for you, Joe. If a meeting, a big meeting got cancelled, what would you do with the time? Do you take time off and go, uh, you know what, I'm going to go shopping no. or I'm going to sit on the sofa? Oof. No. No. That's what I do. <laughs> I, I, do you? If, if do. a big meeting cancelled, I'm like, awesome, I can write a column now or I can, no, um, you no, know, no, I get go, back fantastic. and work on my deck. Or- no, I go, the time was blocked out anyway and so I'm going to take it and I'm just not going to have the meeting. I'm going to go and have a meeting with myself. Mm. But that's, that's really um, good. Yeah. Well, that's that, really that, good advice. Well, because the other thing somebody said to me ages ago was block out one day a week and make it that you don't do meetings. And I literally did it for about, it was in my diary for most of, I think it was the first half of last year. And I realized what I was going is, oh, I know I'll be able to do it on Thursdays because I've blocked it out. <laughs> and I was just filling it up with more meetings. So, um, oh, but no, now- see, I, I actually do do that though. I, oh, okay. I have to have at least, I aim for at least one, well, it has to be one, but I aim for two full days a week where there's no connection with another human being. Oh, wow. I couldn't even imagine that. Yeah. I think I probably talk to about 30 people a day. It's exhausting. <laughs> yeah, but, cause, but I'm writing. Like I yeah, have to, you true, know, true. I'm writing a column more. I'm, you know, and I've just recently done the um, Clifton Strengths. Um, whatever What's you call that? that? Have you ever done that? No, I've never ga- even heard of the it. The Gallup Clifton Streets. Oh, apparently like 30 million people worldwide have done it. <laughs> Except um, for me. <laughs> and it's, it's a strengths assessment tool. Okay. Uh, and it's fascinating. And uh, certainly I was like, 
a bit cynical when my strengths came in and then I looked at it and went, oh, actually they're kind of spot on as far as what I know about myself. And one of the things I learned from that is that I absolutely, for me, silence, alone time, writing is like medicine for me. So I have to have that at least once a week and aim for twice. Right, good. Well, mm. it sounds like you are kind of sort of <laughs> balancing it out, but um, I look and you're about to do a cap raise, which is always fun, and I hopefully there'll be women listening that might want to invest, but um, mm. certainly I know how that network is is growing of women funding other women, so you'll have to have a chat with me <laughs> when this is when we're off air and I'll see what I can do to help you in that space. Yes. One, okay, one last question oh, for you. trust me. You, you will hear from me, Jules. There will be... No stone unturned. When I've got my deck and all of my, you know, everything put together, I will, yeah, you'll yeah. be on the list. Great, great. <laughs> okay, last question. Is there a quirky fact about you that most people don't know that you'd be up for sharing? <laughs> and I reckon it'd be hard push to find something people don't know about you, but is there one? Well, that's that's true. When you do breakfast radio, you tend to tell the strangest of things to the whole world. Um, and often you're saying it without even thinking about the fact that the whole world's listening. And like, <laughs> many later on you go, particularly at breakfast wow, time. I just shared such a yeah. <laughs> um, well, I, I guess um, the thing that seems to surprise people the most when I say um, is that I'm an, I'm a natural introvert, and people are like, <laughs> "What?" Right. Okay. And I'm like, yeah, I just it, in my ideal place to be is uh, at home by myself. <laughs> yeah, right. Hence and sometimes the fact my that husband and daughter's allowed to get a look in, but most of the time. <laughs> but that's it. I, you know, I just, yeah, I find being out in the world very hard. Right. Interesting. I wouldn't have thought that. So, yeah, there you go. And that immediately makes sense of the fact that you need time out and time for yourself and probably the meditation because it's just centering you a little bit when you're out, you know, with such a big, big job and big personality that you're sharing everywhere else. Yeah, I mean, like I love performing, love it, uh, and there's a time and place for that and I love connecting. I get – I don't love – I'm really bad with parties. Like social anxiety is right. a massive thing for me. But yep. I, you know, but the performing side of things, that, that has a really, it, that uplifts me and energises me, but I am exhausted afterwards and I have right. to go and go to bed for a good, you know. <laughs> well, for me, for me, a good length of time in bed is probably about seven hours at most, but, you know. Oh, so you're not sleeping well. Mm. Is that the age as well? Because we'll just quickly touch on that with me being, I'm a bit older than you at 56 and good old menopause coming has just completely stuffed my sleeping for the last five or six years, I'd say. Or have you just always uh, been a bad sleeper? I've always been a very bad sleeper. Because seven hours is not much, Joe. not with all the it's work not, you're doing. I know it's not, but but that's why, because I'm up early and I'm up late working yeah. and, you know, um, and kind of breakfast radio has. Yes, messed it, around It sort of trains you, or not, or it just trains you to kind of go, oh, the alarm is gone off. I will get up now, even when you're tired and 
feel like you can't. And and at the other end of the day, does it say, okay, I've got to go to bed now because I need the sleep? Because that's the bit I find hard. I mean, I work back and go, okay, eight hours. If I go to bed at 11.30 and I wake at 7.30, that's going to be eight hours. And then suddenly it's one or I'm waking at six or whatever to mess that mm. around. But yeah. Oh, and it's torturous. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not suggesting anybody <laughs> should willingly go without sleep. Like, I think that sleep is the most critical medicine for every yes, part of yeah, your health agree. and well-being. And I say to my daughter who always has refused to go to bed, Mike, <laughs> and she's now 14, and I'm like, what is, why? Bed is the best thing in the world. And you're saying no to it. Like what I would give to be able to just be yeah. in bed all the time. But, well, you know, children don't. don't that's yeah, so funny because I've got three yeah. boys and, um, well, when I say boys, the twins are now. 16 and um, my eldest is 20, but probably about four years ago, maybe five years ago, they all started lying in. So they all went from waking at five and six in the morning and why aren't you awake, mum, to, oh, my God, is it only one o'clock? Do I have to get out of bed? So your daughter hasn't obviously yes, reached that I stage yet. No, and I, I, it is, <laughs> I'm told, an adolescent thing. Now, I remember yeah. sleeping till midday when I was a teenager. Yes. But uh, no, not yet, no. Um, I have such a clear recollection just, yeah. of my mum coming in, putting shaving cream all over my face, putting um, – <laughs> She came in, she put on Cat Stevens on top volume throughout the house, ripped the blankets back and put shaving cream all over my face to get me up. I remember it, it so well. <laughs> Those days so are gone great. now. Well, Joe, it's yeah. just been a brilliant, brilliant chat with you. Thank you so much for telling us your story and for having all those great insights. Um, if anyone did want to listen to Broad Radio, what would be the best way for them to do it? Uh, go along to broadradio.com.au for now. Yes, head along yep. to broadradio.com.au. We were live streaming on Facebook and YouTube every Tuesday morning. We've right. rested that so that we can really focus on the app and the, yep. the fundraise. Um, so there's like well, over 100 episodes of our previous, you know, podcasts. We've released yep. them as podcasts. And there's lots of other podcasts there too. We're actually, um, uh, we have a production arm called Broad Generation. So Ooh. head along to broadgeneration.com.au <laughs> if you're interested in having a podcast created by us. We've, we've been doing that quite a bit as ah. well. Um, we have our own little studio in Melbourne that you can hire as well if you're looking for a space. Oh, great. Uh, so, you know, we kind of got a lot of sort of fingers in pies there as well. Um but yeah, if you if you subscribe to us and you, you know just hit the subscribe button on broadradio.com.au, you'll then be kept up to date with all of the news as we hurtle towards the release of our app. Oh, I'm so excited for you. Now, the other thing is of all the women listening, I'm sure that a lot of them would love to be a guest if possible. Do tell me about what the, the opportunities are for any women to come on and talk with you on the show. Well, we're currently not making new content in that way. Okay. But most definitely, um, you know, you can uh, on on the website, there's a, you know, contact us yep. little um, button there. So, yeah, drop us an email and, um, and we are always gathering. Yeah, no, absolutely. We are very keen to hear stories and, and gather like the Pied Piper, all the different amazing women that are out there doing incredible things. It's really and, – and and when you look at our podcasts that we've had or the episodes from the last two years, so there's, as I say, over 100 there, 
just incredible people doing things that you go, wow, courage. Like, I know it's amazing. incredible, isn't it? I, I mean, I think you know. Mm. I almost feel like I should pay for the privilege of of listening to the stories because the, there are so many amazing women doing incredible things that um, I find very yeah. inspiring. Well, and you're one of them. Yeah. So on that note, thank you so much, Joe, and um, I can't wait to share this. Thank you so much, Jules. You're one of them too. Here we are, mutual. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Jules. <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. For more information and to find out about our other initiatives, including our weekly lunch for female founders and our TV show, go to she'stheboss.com.au.